Hi everyone, my name is Yumei Chang and welcome back to Life is Love School, where we teach childhood trauma survivors skills such as how to have great relationships and how to regulate emotions. My goal in this channel is to teach you what you need to know in order to build a happier and healthier life. Today's topic is something that a lot of people have asked me to do because I've been doing a whole series of talks on attachment styles as it relates to intimate relationships. And a question that I get a lot is, hey, I'm in a relationship with somebody who is dismissive avoidant and I don't know how to create intimacy with a partner like that. And it can be pretty painful, especially if your attachment style is also insecure. So maybe you have an anxious preoccupied attachment style, or maybe you have a mixed attachment style uh, where you're fearful. And the fact that the avoidant person's attachment style tends to want to pull away can make you feel really insecure and maybe feeling very unsettled. So if you haven't seen the videos where I talk about the way that the dismissive avoidant person thinks and maybe how their attachment style came about, I would recommend that you start there um, or at least review it afterwards. Because if you want to get to know somebody, if you want to connect with someone, it's really important that you actually understand where they come from so that you understand their thinking pattern and the way they deal with things is different from you. When we don't understand other people's point of view, it's very hard to have empathy for them. So we may be fixed on the way we see the world and we wonder why they're not more like us. Why are they not willing to give what we want out of a relationship? But when you actually put yourself in their point of view and you understand where their childhood background comes from, why they do what they do, that level of understanding will allow you to empathize with them. It doesn't mean that you condone their behavior or even that you want to put up with bad behavior. That's not what it is, but it allows you to remove the, hey, it's all personal to me factor out of it so that it actually helps you be more um, equanimous. So you're not taking their behavior personally because you're coming from a place of understanding. So I will give you six points on how to work with the dismissive avoidant partner. And the first point is, in fact, you want to understand their point of view. You want to understand how their attachment style came about. And in fact, the interesting thing is that even if they act as if they don't care, as if they don't want to have a connection, act as if they are pushing you away, the studies actually shown and researchers have done studies to show that dismissive avoidance actually deeply crave that connection. So in fact, all the insecurely attached people, they're also people, they do want that connection. However, their limiting belief, unfortunately, is that connection or other people's acceptance is not available to me. The difference really is just in how they exhibit that insecurity. A person who is anxiously attached exhibit their insecurity through cleaning behaviors, maybe protest behaviors, maybe jealousy, maybe overtly controlling, trying to monitor where the partner is, trying to make sure that the partner is not running away. So anxiously attached people are the ones who would text you a hundred times, call you five times a day, right? It's the kind of the cleaning, running towards energy. Whereas the avoidant takes the other route 
they also believe that fundamentally they're probably not lovable, that they're probably going to get hurt, they're probably going to get abandoned. So the avoidant person deals with it by saying the sour grape strategy, which is, well, you know, I don't want it anyways. So I will push you away. I don't want intimacy. I am very independent. And they pride themselves in that independence. However, fundamentally, as the research has shown, both styles deeply crave that connection. So they may behave on a surface level differently, but underneath there is that craving. It's just that they show it differently. So it's really understanding where they come from, what childhood environment may have shaped that attachment style. The beauty about attachment style is that it is stable, but it's fluid. By that, I mean that roughly one third of people actually change their attachment style. So you may have been raised by parents that were negligent, that never met your needs. So you developed a dismissive style because you know they're not gonna meet your needs anyway. So might as well just say that you don't need anybody. But as you grow up, maybe you went to school, you had really supportive teachers, really good mentors, really good friends. And through those connections, you form secure attachment. And over time, you slowly shift it towards secure. So you can go from insecure to secure, and you can also go the other way. So even if you had a really good childhood, maybe you subsequently had toxic relationships, maybe with a narcissistic person. So then you went from a secure attachment style then to insecure. So it can go both ways. And roughly a third of people actually change their styles. So it's called stable and fluid. So if you are insecurely attached, good news is you can work on towards moving towards that secure attachment style. Because when you are securely attached, having relationships is just a lot easier. It's easier on you as well as easier on your partner. So point number two is when you are in a relationship with a dismissive avoidant, make sure that you're acting on your value and not on your feelings. And this is especially important for people that are anxiously attached. So let's say that you're anxiously attached, you haven't heard from your boyfriend for a while, and you are maybe spinning a tail in your head that, hey, what if he's spending time with somebody else? What if he's about to run away with this other person? Oh, he told me about this really attractive coworker, et cetera. So then the urge is maybe to drive over to his place and you know check things out, right? You could feel that you want to do that. But on the other hand, what you could do is use your executive brain, your prefrontal cortex and say, what is the point of doing that? So if you go over there and it turns out that he was actually trustworthy, he was honest, you just show him that, that you actually don't trust him and that destroys the trust and the respect in a relationship. And if he is acting without integrity, then sooner or later, you're going to find out anyways. But if you are acting out of that feeling and you're just following that feeling, the irrational thoughts, etc., you will actually precipitate the, the behavior that you don't want because the person on the receiving end would feel that, hey, you know, I've been acting with integrity and with honesty, and yet my girlfriend still doesn't trust me. What is the point? Right. So many times we actually drive people towards a behavior we don't want because of our expectations. So make sure that you're acting out of your value and not your feeling. If your value is I trust a partner that I'm with, then it's important that you work on regulating your own emotions. 
So you soothe yourself and you don't just act impulsively and go and stalk somebody. So that's point number two. Point number three is to make sure that you honor your unique needs. And this is something that I tell clients inside tribe membership to always remember that, you know, you're a lot like a plant, right? Like I, I, I take care of plants um, as a hobby. And if you look at plants, some plants are succulents and they like dry soil. They like a lot of sun. They don't mind the cold because they're used to the desert environment. And then there are some plants that are, you know, like the prayer plants. They thrive in a the jungle. They don't like direct light. They like more moist soil, etc. So you could give the succulent a lot of water. It might not kill it, but it's certainly not going to thrive. You know, similarly, you can give the prayer plant too much sun and burn its leaves, right? So we are like plants and it's really important that we honor that need. If we are somebody who needs a lot of quality time, who really likes deep conversation, who wants an empathetic partner, then make sure that you are not trying to get that out of a person who simply doesn't have the ability to give it to you. Right. The analogy would be, you know, you're watering a plastic plant and hoping that it would flower. Obviously, it sounds really silly when you look at it, but I cannot tell you how many times I've worked with people that just do that. They water a plastic plant, hoping that it would flower. And you're much better off conserving your energy and reinvesting it somewhere else. It is no right or wrong. You know, there's the succulent is just as beautiful as the prayer plant and vice versa. They're just different. So if you need a prayer plant, make sure you don't grab a succulent is all I'm trying to say. And then, of course, if you're already in a relationship with somebody who's a dismissive avoidant, you love that person, maybe you already built a life and you don't want to necessarily leave that relationship. Then the question for you is, can you get your needs met elsewhere? Maybe you can get your social needs or the needs for having deep discussions with your friends, right? Maybe that's another outlet for you. So you don't necessarily have to get all your needs met through your partner because a lot of times that is also too high of a bar for anybody to meet and it just puts too much pressure on the relationship. And that's why it's really important that when two people are getting together that they both have full lives so they're not writing their partner for every single need. That's not healthy and it's also unattractive because you are basically saying, hey, you know, I have nothing. I want everything from you. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to the partner. So point number four is don't do the protest behavior. If you're an anxiously attached person, please, please, please soothe your own emotions so you're not acting out. Protest behavior, um, if you don't know what it is, it's basically you're feeling anxiety, you're feeling anger or resentment towards your partner. So instead of directly communicating what's bothering you, you are doing little things like little tests, etc., to um, test them to see if they love you or not. So maybe a, a clear way would be um, you're kind of feeling miffed that your partner hasn't texted you back in two hours. So then you would say something, you know, snippy back like, hey, you know, what's going on? Is there something wrong with your internet provider? Because I haven't hear heard back from you. And your partner receiving that, they may comply. They may say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, uh, I was busy at work, so I didn't have my ringer on or I put my phone in another room. But what you're doing is you're not 
directly communicating your needs. You're doing that in a passive aggressive way. So even if your partner then immediately texts back, you know that you forced that to happen, right? You basically twisted her arms and made it happen. So the fact that they responded to you will never feel satisfying because you know that it didn't come from their heart. They did not willingly do it. So then it's never satisfying. So you're just, you want to do it again and again. So you see these anxiously attached people repeatedly, like kind of poking and prodding their partner and doing these protest behaviors simply because it's just empty calories. It's not satisfying. So you feel like you need to do it more. So in fact, what you need to do is take a step back and don't do it. Now, point number five is that if you want to be in a healthy relationship with a dismissive person, make sure that you give yourself a lot of self-compassion. A lot of times I see anxiously attached people get into a relationship with a avoidant. It's kind of like the, the runner, uh, the chaser and a runner, right? If you're the chaser, you're going to find a, a runner because it's just more exciting. Unfortunately, it oftentimes end up that way. Uh, it's not a great combo, but if you're in this situation, the last thing you want to do is to blame yourself to say, you know, why can't I need him less, right? Why can't I need her less? Why can't I be more equanimous? Why do I always overreact? Why did I screw up again and do this protest behavior? Why did I text him, you know, a second time before he texts back? Give yourself compassion. Just because other people may be able to be equanimous and not get riled up doesn't mean that you can. So I'll just give you an example. So how bad is a $500 car repair? For a person who's really well off or maybe has a second car, it's not a big deal, right? It's just a minor annoyance. They you know, send a car to the shop, you know, they lose $500, they don't care. But if you're living hand to mouth, this is your only car that you must use it to drive to work, it could be a really big deal. It could result in you not having a car, not being able to drive to work, losing your job, getting evicted, all these downstream things can happen. Same event apply to different people, different results, different impact. So if you suffer childhood trauma or maybe you got inconsistent love growing up, then seeing that inconsistency again from a dismissive avoidant partner can be like re-traumatizing. And again, this is another reason why I recommend if you need more, right? You need more water, you need more humidity, you need more sunlight, make sure that you find somebody who can give you that while you work on yourself, right? It's no excuse for you to not work on yourself and try to get all that attention from a partner, but still you can make your life a lot easier if you honor your needs. So also don't blame yourself. Understand where you got that attachment style from, why you feel the way you do, and don't expect that you can handle it just as well as another person who perhaps has a secure attachment style. Now, point number six is you want to make sure that you communicate your needs skillfully. So I've done a number of articles as well as YouTube videos. So make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes in the future because I do a lot of these relationship communication style videos. It's super important to know how to express your needs in a adult way, in a direct way, in a kind way so that your needs have a better chance of being met. Of course, we can never control what another person does, right? Unless you want to do so violently, which I highly do not recommend. It doesn't work in the long run. People will run. 
right? But if you want to make sure that you have a good chance of having your needs met, there are skillful ways of communicating your needs and making the request so that your partner can hear you. Because if your partner does care about you, chances are they do want to meet your needs. But sometimes, especially people get, when they get agitated, they communicate in a way that puts people on the defensive. When people are on the defensive, they don't hear you and they don't want to help you meet that need. So if you like today's topic, make sure you like and subscribe and also check out the show notes. I have a bunch of useful information that can help you in relationships and you know, emotional regulations. As always, I read every single comment. Today's video, in fact, came from multiple comments from people that I think are in a relationship with a dismissive avoidant. So until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week.